Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Mandy Davis from the Homebuilt Education. Um, I'm really excited to have her on because I think she has so much to bring to the table for our mission of homesteading and homeschooling our kids. Um, So welcome, Mandy. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so would you like to introduce yourself, tell a little bit about how you got started, um, homesteading and homeschooling and. Sure. Absolutely. Um, let's see, I have been in education, um, since 2008, I started teaching and have been both in public and private schools. Um, and most recently was, um, the principal at a private school here in central Oregon. And funny, I think, you know, even looking just five years back, um, I never would have imagined that I would be where I am today. And homeschooling wasn't something that even as an educator ever crossed my mind as a consideration of something that I would do with my own children. Um, I feel like there, I was, I thought, why in the world would I bring my kids home? There's a perfectly good school system. And then I, right. Then I learned some more. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And being on the inside to that, um, I had concerns with our school system from the moment I got into the classroom, which was very different than what you know my university experiences had taught me and had prepared me for. And there I was, a 22-year-old being asked pivotal parenting questions that I had no idea how oh, to answer goodness. about children. And at the same time was being told, this is what we're teaching. And this is when the big test is in May. Um, And I took issues to that. Um, It wasn't until I had my own children though, that I really thought, okay, is this a safe environment for them? Is this a positive learning environment for them? And if this is an environment that I don't wanna stay in, how would I possibly be okay me leaving the field and leaving my children in? And so, and, and, you know, COVID was a little bit of a catalyst for me um, because I got to be home with my kids during that time and experience um, what it could look like. And granted, I always say COVID, all of that emergency schooling, that was not homeschooling like that. No. That was a nightmare, but that was, you know, that was not homeschooling. Um, but I do think for some that it did resonate just with the idea of, wait a minute, I have options. Yeah. And so following in 2022, um, while I had technically homeschooled an early primary year to try it out, and then again through COVID, 2022 was like the pivotal I'm leaving my role as school principal and I'm taking my kids with me. Good for you. Yeah. I I think that we have just been, I say we as a society, we've been taught that our job is not to be mothers. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's one of the biggest issues I have with our educational systems Mm -hmm. today is that 
as a parent, I want to be the one in charge of consent for my children, for every aspect of their education. And for the parent's voice to be so minimal in the schools, Mm -hmm. that is such a red flag. And that's, you know, and, and then you look at the teacher shortages and people leaving the environment. Okay, if all of these adults are leaving, <laughs> it might not be where we want to send all the kids. Right. You know, um, we have neurodivergent kids and trying to be in the school system with that was, it was a nightmare. And even, you know, like our oldest got in some trouble and, you know, he was in eighth grade and we show up at the school and the school resource officer is there and we're like, great, arrest him oh, well, we don't want to do that. And we were like, then why are you here? Why did you bother bringing in the school resource officer? We want to scare this kid into not, to to have some respect for the authority system. Isn't it it funny how in the schools, how little voice the parents have, and yet how really no one wants to take the authority though, at the same time, it's kind of, it's kind of a constant pass the buck until you realize nothing's getting done. Yeah. But then they like, you know, they call the parents and they're like, you need to fix this, but then they won't really let us do anything. It's really, really weird. And he was actually our first kid that we pulled out because we were like, this is not a good environment for you. Um, You know, it wasn't anything major. He was a decent student, that type of thing, but it was enough that like, we're like, okay, like you, if they're not going to scare you straight, we will. I mean, not that we like, you know, we're mean to them or anything, but like, this is real. And there are real consequences that come along with that. Sure. Absolutely. And you know, your kid, you know, you knew what your kid needed at the time and others did not. And it doesn't sound like they did much anyways. Right. Like I said, he was a pretty decent kid. There wasn't, it wasn't like this was a constant thing where he just didn't care. We're like, great. Arrest him. Scare the heck out of him. Mm-hmm. And they want to know part in it. And then um, we have one son who is autistic. And I mean, he would have meltdowns. I couldn't, I, I would drop him off at school and I couldn't even drive to the next town to go grocery shopping because he would do something and they'd call me and be like, you need to come back right now and get him. So what's the point? I mean, you guys literally have, you know, you have the therapist, you have the everything that's supposed to be able to help me with autism but every time you don't want to deal with him I have to come get him and at one point I actually got told I was like well I'm standing in line at Costco I'll get there I mean I'm literally in line and then there's a 20-30 minute drive back to where we live I'll be there as fast as I can and they're like if somebody's not here to pick him up we're gonna have to call like CPS And so then I am freaking out, crying, trying to get back to the school. We've never had any problems with this school where they would have any reason to call authorities on us. And I was just, I was done. I was so blown away. Sure. Absolutely. Oh gosh. I, I just feel like more and more we're hearing stories so similar to your own of, you know, kids who are not in the middle because Mm -hmm. really the school system is trying to teach at a pace where as teachers are leaving, class sizes are getting bigger, mm-hmm. where they're reaching the majority. And if you're outside of that majority in any way, emotionally, yeah. behaviorally, and academically, because mm-hmm. kids who are 
think of it uh, from kids who are really high achievers who could be really pushed. They're not getting pushed either. There's no bandwidth to do that mm-hmm. right now. Um, and it's, it's just creating this dynamic where I feel like the thing that our public school system would say they vouch for the most, which is, you know, equitable educational options. It's actually only a singular educational option if you fit into that mold. And I mean, that's why we see a lot of homeschooled kids are neurodivergent and stuff, but start, don't let the, uh, the kids in the middle get lost either. Oh, absolutely. And plus the things that are happening in public schools right now is just mind blowing. I mean, there's the agendas, (laughs) whatever agenda it is at the moment, but it seems really scary. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And, and I, I go back to this so often, but when you pair everything that's happening with the qualified and caring teachers leaving, and then we're looking at over a dozen states, um, including Oregon, going to um, emergency licensing of teachers. So, okay, even without the credentials, you can come into the school to teach under this emergency. We'll just license you for a year. So we're seeing these qualified and caring educators leave, and then we're bringing in people to try to help. I mean, is this kind of the best route? Um, And it doesn't seem to be getting addressed anywhere um, as to kind of what the boiling point is going to hire someone else. Right. So you're not getting those long-term educators that are working with kids over years. Right. Right. Because there's definitely amazing educators out there. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I had some amazing teachers. My kids have had amazing teachers. It's what the the bigger system. Yes, I think that's the hardest part about it. Um, I know that I talk a lot on my social platforms about my feelings on the public school system. And then I'm always like, but, but I love <laughs> educators. I love those yeah. teachers who are out there to make a difference. And everything that's happening is not on their backs. They're doing the best that they can within this system that's just come to the point of being out of control. Yeah. You know, and I actually being on that, the homestead homeschool window, I see a lot of that same conversation happening with farmers too, that they're stuck in a similar system. So, you know, like you have people angry at the farmers over GMOs or something. And it's like, they, they're stuck in a system now with the credit that they pulled to be able to pay for last year's seed in order to buy this year's seed through the same creditor. Like, I mean, it's, a circle that they're in and they just wanted to be farmers. Sure. I mean, they have families. They, they're not out there to try to hurt anyone. I'm not even saying that like all GMOs are horrible. It's just that if you want to change, you're stuck. Absolutely. I I think that in education, that's also why we, we just don't, see changes happening. I feel like we're just in this phase right now where it's stuck. And um, I was just talking to another mom on um, all this research that's coming out on compulsory start ages for kids and, Mm -hmm. and how old should formal learning start. And 
you know, social media has that side to be a blessing and a curse. It's it's uh-huh, so yeah. nice to gain community and inspiration, but at the same time, trends can be so dangerous. And mm. one trend that's happening is, um, you know, s- starting learning really, really young. But but research is is like no no you yeah. know formal learning. Push it off as long as you can. Like play, mm-hmm. get outside. I know I saw somebody really concerned the other day that they don't have time to formally school their two-year-old. And I was like, what are you teaching them? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I've seen two. And I love, I love when parents are so excited to homeschool or or talk about homeschooling. And I also recognize that some parents, they may not continue on homeschooling through, you know, um, the age where they can send a kiddo to school. Yeah, so that gives them uh, but, an opportunity, but. Right, but I'm seeing it more and more start at age two. Like check out my two-year-old's homeschool room. And I'm like, oh gosh, I hope that there's nothing too formal happening there right? because. And, you know, honestly, every child is different. Like, cause I homeschool all my older kids. When my six-year-old was like two and a half, he had really great vocabulary. And he comes to me and he's like, mom, I think it's time you start teaching me too. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. Let's do that. You know? Sure. So I got him like, you know, a, like a morning binder type thing. And every day we did morning binder learning, you know, whereas my three and a half year old, like the kid doesn't even talk yet. Like <laughs> I'm definitely not sitting him down and trying to get him to learn anything. Cause he'd probably like, I mean, I still, he, he eats paper and crayons and, you know, like, <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, he wants to be a part of it. So I find the things for him to do where he feels like he's a part of it, but I am definitely not teaching him in that way. Yes. No, absolutely. What a blessing though, to be able to pace, you know, mm-hmm. just to your, to your children, yeah. but, but just kind of touching back on, on feeling stuck. Mm-hmm. So as as a whole in our community. And, um, as we're seeing like, wait to start formal learning state by state right now, it differs when we're sending kids to kindergarten and all that kindergarten readiness pressure and, um, et cetera, that, that comes with that in several states that age should be adjusted based on research, based on what Mm -hmm. we know, but we won't change it. No, it, there's too much reliance on it at this point, both jobs, both parents that are, have already, or are ready to send their kids because that's what they've been planning on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just hard. It's, it's just hard to see, um, us learning more and more about education and yet not making changes that our education system needs to see. Well, and there's what our education system doesn't do anymore is educate. They school. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really concerning that it's just bring them in, teach them all the same thing and send them out the other side. Mm-hmm. It uh, is, it's... The beautiful thing I'm seeing with homeschooling so much is kids are getting to learn to their interests, to their skills, to their appropriate learning level. Absolutely. Yeah. Child-led learning is so powerful yeah. and, and thinking of the end goal, you know, I rather teach my children how to analyze and evaluate and synthesize information and then allow them to do that on the information that they want to apply it to rather, you know, here's a set of something to memorize and you're going to be tested on that 
set of, of information that has been chosen for you. Yeah. Although at the same time, I feel really bad for my kids. They started driver's ed this summer and they they're doing it with, you know, all public school kids by a public school teacher. And, you know, they went in and they're trying to take notes and it's just, they're, they're going so fast. And I'm like, yeah. So my daughter's like, well, I did what you do. I just started taking pictures of slides and I was like, good. Awesome. You know, cause she goes to conferences with me a lot and sees me do that. So then she's coming home and trying to great. but then they felt really overwhelmed come test day. And actually Mm -hmm. my son barely passed and my daughter didn't. And she came home and she was really upset. And I said, Hey, you know what happens? Like I failed my real estate exam the first time, you know? And um, I said, cause it's just, it's a different way of learning. Like it's not even like I was helping them study for driver's ed and it wasn't really applicable skills. Like they had to memorize the four types of acceleration. I don't know the four types of acceleration. Oh, I just gosh, me neither. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I mean it was and then they had really weird names for it. Like, I don't remember, like um idle starting and progressive. And I was like, so I explained to her what each of what I thought that they were trying to get across with that. I said, sure. but honestly, when you're in your test, don't even worry about what it means. Just memorize it and pass this test. And then I'll teach you all the things that you really need to know about driving. Oh man, the, that would be a hard concept, <laughs> even right. if I, I was I testing felt, on that right now. Right. I felt bad just telling her like, it, it doesn't matter. Just memorize it. And that's what she struggles with because I've taught my kids so long, you know, the, the application of everything. Oh, sure. Even oh, when sure. we're using a boxed curriculum, I'd be like, oh, this is really cool. Remember when we talked about this the other day? And I can't do that really for her in this moment because she needs more time to learn. And so I'm like, we can't do both right now. I can't help you memorize it and explain to you how it works. Right. Right. <clears throat> I, f- I feel like um, the concept of driver's ed is tricky, even, you know, even for driver, even for me, and that would be challenging material to test on today. Um, But I think that the powerful message is how uncomfortable it felt to tell your daughter to memorize it, because it's just not something you often have to say or, um, you know, approach new information that way. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I think that's pretty powerful that um, it felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause I even teach them like in math, like you don't have to memorize every single like equation and stuff. The only thing you have to remember is where to find it in your notes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, cause that's, I mean, that's what I preach on so much of my stuff when teaching science and everything as a scientist, I don't have to know everything. I just have to know where to find it. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And eventually some of that stuff sticks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I joke with my ADHD son, like he's spinning so fast that we throw stuff at him and not everything sticks. So oh. we have to find ways to slow down his wheel. So more stuff sticks. <laughs> it can stick. Sure. Oh, I love that. And then we're actually the, my autistic son, we're like, maybe we need to speed his wheel up a little. <laughs> he's just dragging and pulling those things. Oh, he's 14. We're struggling with going from raising an autistic child to raising an autistic teenager. 
Oh my goodness. Absolutely. That's a journey. It really is. And it's one that I wasn't expecting and didn't prepare for in the way that I have prepared for so many other things in my life. Sure. Now suddenly, you know, my husband's like, what do we do? And I'm like, I I have no clue. Like, hold on. Let me order a book from Amazon. (laughs) Yes. No, absolutely. That age, there's so much to unpack, you know, in general. So I can't, I can't imagine. It really is. Cause there's a lot of, um, you know, when they're younger, you can tell the difference between not comprehending and disobeying. And with his age right now, he comprehends all of it. So how much of it is disobedience and how much of it is, you know, his fixation or, um, his executive functioning skills. Sure. And we're having to really, it's, it's a hard one. Cause you know, then we, you know, we punish him for something that's disobedience, but then the anxiety of it causes his like, you know, frontal lobe shut down and it's a, it's a circle, but you know, there's certain things that a 14 year old needs to be punished for, you know, and we do a lot of, you know, natural consequences, but it's still, you know, we're, we're like, Hey, that's not okay. You need to fix it this way. And then he's like immediately frontal lobe shut down. And we're just like, uh. because he's very high functioning. I mean, he shows dairy cows. He's, you know, working at it at a very appropriate grade level, you know, not that we lock that in completely, but when I am dealing with neurodivergent kids, I have to look at where we're at a little, you know? Oh, sure. Absolutely. And yeah, it's like, okay, you're, you can function on all these other levels. I mean, like I said, he just passed driver's ed, but wow. wow. You know, and he, he runs our, a big part of our farm and stuff, but then, you know, he'll do things like go to the barn feed all the, or, you know, we tell him like, you know, go feed water, everything. He goes up there and he'll decide that all the water bowls need to be cleaned out really good. Great. So he'll clean all the water bowls really good. I mean, we have, I mean, right now we have 60 something hogs on the property. So, I mean, he's cleaning a lot of water bowls. Wow. He'll come back down to the house and we're like, okay, great. Did you feed? And he's like, oh, and we're like, okay, go feed. And then that's where he gets defiant. Like he doesn't want to go feed because he already did it in his eyes. He's already done it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you, but you did not do it. Right. We'll still need to eat, you know? And like, we're going through those circles with him. Mm-hmm. Oh man. What have you seen work the best? Um, what we do, he has to take pictures of everything he does. Um, mm-hmm. so that's been really helpful. Um, you know, I've had families on both sides of the thing say, well, you need to be a parent. You need to go check it. Well, we're running a huge farm. We're homeschooling six kids. We have three businesses. I, this is my checking it. He takes a picture, but I've mm-hmm. also found that him having to remember to take a picture of each pin reminds him to make sure it's done right. Oh, that's perfect. It's a double check and it's an accountability step. Yeah. And then he can come down and we don't have to, you know, like I can get done with this podcast, walk outside and he'll be like, here's my pictures. And I flip through them and I'm like, great. This one, one, this one here needs to be redone. And, you know, cause otherwise that would be an hour out of my day going up there and checking every single pin. Right. And I think that it's easier also, if you knew that you were going to go check to, mm-hmm. you know, well, mom's going to check. So we'll see how it goes versus, okay, getting these pictures, right. So I don't have to go back and yeah. fix my mistakes. Well, that's what we saw is, you know, running a business. We aren't always at the barn every day. We're at the barn most days. You know, I say we, my husband and I, we make it up there most days to do a larger project or to, 
you know, fix something or, you know, we had a sow pharaoh yesterday. So we were up there um, dealing with her. And, um, but there are days where he'd be like, okay, I'm done. I'd be like, okay, great. I'm going to go check. And then life happens. And I wouldn't make it up there right then, or I wouldn't make it up there till that evening. And so being able to do the pictures has been really great. That's that's probably been our best tool. I love that. I love that. Um, He also has a really bad electronic addiction. And when we try to take his electronics away from him because he doesn't function real well when he's been on them, mm-hmm. you know, at 14, he, he needs to have a phone. He does, you know, baseball and 4-H. And when we leave, we're 45 minutes from the house. Like w- we need to be able to communicate with him in that way. Um, so we found rather than taking his phone completely, we lock it down where he can only do certain things with it. And we don't take like every game or every app off we just limit it where he only has, you know, maybe an hour of game playing a day or something. So he still has that privilege, but, and then our next one that we're trying is making sure that he has one thing that's just for him that is, doesn't have any bearing on his behavior. Oh, that's nice. That's a good idea. Yeah. And you know, like I, when my husband, I use the example of Taekwondo, you know, I was like, okay, so get him into Taekwondo. And then if he's, struggling that day say hey you're struggling why don't you go do some taekwondo rather than you're struggling you're not allowed to do taekwondo Mm -hmm. Um, which actually what we decided is he wants to join trail life boys at the only church near our house so that's really awesome oh that's amazing yeah yeah it's gonna be okay you messed up go go fix your mess up and then we'll drive you to trail life boys like there's not gonna be a you messed up so you don't get to go type thing Mm-hmm. That's perfect. I think that's so important for kids of all ages. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like so many times it's easy for us to get in the habit of mm-hmm. um, taking away parts that would actually reset our children mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, bring them that emotional and, and mental balance. And then at the same time, pushing something positive, for mm-hmm. example, um, a friend of mine was telling me how much her son hates reading and help me, help me. He hates reading. Um, and I observed him and he and I talked and she and I talked and finally it it all clicked. What was happening was, um, he was always told when he was in trouble, go to your room, you can read. And so he has completely associated reading with, I'm in trouble. This is what I do. It's duty. Um, So yeah, just being really, really aware to not take away those joy points and also not to bring a joy point in as a consequence. Yeah. Um, It's it's important. One thing we do with our daughter is with being extremely dyslexic, we do, okay, you've been on your phone too long today, go read something. You know, we do a little of that, but Mm -hmm. Um, I let her read pretty much whatever she wants. Exactly. Then in the evenings, her and I either go work in the garden or do like food prep in the kitchen and stuff. And there we listen to audiobooks. I love that. Yeah. So she's still getting that higher level thinking and teaching, but she's not having to sit. She's like, she can't read, you know, a 14 to adult level book and comprehend it the same way she can maybe, a, you know, 10 to 12 year old book. Oh, sure. Um, she can read it. She can read it out loud and reads fine, but she does not, she doesn't get the comprehension with it. 
Oh, sure. And there's so, a, there's such a huge difference. Yeah. And a lot of times I pick the book, like we're listening to a Joel Salatin book right now. And I mean, she knows Joel Salatin personally and stuff. So she's like, this is cool. And she's learning from him, That's but she so doesn't great. have to sit and read this adult level book. Right. Exactly. Yes. I love, I love audiobooks and podcasts with kids. It's just such a great option to have. And I also love breaking all of the reading rules. I'm like, mm -hmm. reading shouldn't have rules and requirements. If you want to read it, read it. If yeah. you've already read it and you want to read it again, read it again. If it's below your level, read it. You know, just all of the different ways. I just ways. heard a huge boom behind me. Oh, is everything okay? I don't know. There's other adults out there. So, okay. <laughs> I hear no screaming. So we're solid. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> my husband and my assistant are both out in the rest of the house. So, <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, along with, you know, I, all my kids and my assistant's kids. So, oh, good. Oh, fun. <laughs> I love having a full house. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, my assistant, I, she, I had sold her dad a or her father-in-law house a couple of years ago when I was doing real estate and we stayed friends and she had a baby and she was like, I don't, I want to homeschool her and I don't want to be working. And so she started cleaning houses. It's way more qualified than that, but that's what she could do to be home with her daughter and bring her daughter to work with her. And she started cleaning my house. And I was like, honey, you are wasted on cleaning. Like, yes, you're a very good cleaner, but you deserve to be doing so much more than this. So now she's my full-time assistant. She brings her daughter to work. She only has to come to my house a few days a week and she works from home the other days. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, she's my right hand woman, you know, mm -hmm. and if I don't have anything for her to do, she cleans still. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. That is perfect. <laughs> right. She's amazing. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So no, that's, uh, and you know, that's just shows that the opportunities that there are out there with everybody embracing homeschooling nowadays. Yes. It's a common question too, of, um, you know, teachers, I want to leave the field, but what could I do? Um, mom's wondering, can I work from home and homeschool? Mom's wondering, can I work out of the home or how can I leave a career? Yeah. You know, and it, it's hard. It's hard to give anyone advice on that because there's so much that goes into that decision. Oh yeah. Finances, their passion, their, whether or not they have someone to care for their kids while they work, it's a hard one. It is. It is. And, you know, I always just lean towards if homeschooling's on your heart and being home is on your heart, mm -hmm. that sounds like priority. Yeah. And so the rest, you just need to sit down and, and, and figure out that plan. Yeah. And, you know, when I sat down with my husband to figure out that plan, it was not a plan without sacrifice because we were going from two incomes oh, to a single income. And it was, it was, this is going to be worth it because it's the life we want to live and I'm okay mm -hmm. giving up these other things. Um, I, I wanted to find that peace and joy in my own home. And I just had yes. this feeling and call on my heart that once we were there, once we were in this place of homeschooling and me being home with the kids, mm -hmm. eating out less wouldn't matter because <laughs> we're going to want to eat at home right. and going out less. That's not going to matter. We have plenty to
to do and explore outside and at home. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, I'm a little jealous of all your hiking trails because we moved out of central Oregon and I miss the hiking trails. Oh, sure. Yes. We just don't have as many here. They're a little tricky right now in the phase we're in with um, our 21 month old son, but as soon as yeah, he's, um, he's a little wild, but as soon as he's a little more capable to join us. Oh, and he hates being in a backpack. He does not. A leash. That, unfortunately. Get, him on a leash. <laughs> Get one of those backpack leashes for him. That's I do true. that with my three-year-old a lot. He's pretty wild and he mm-hmm. thinks it's so cool that he has his own hiking backpack. Oh. Really? It's just, it's like a dinosaur backpack with a leash, you know? But he he has his water and an extra diaper in there. And he like, he's excited. He puts it on himself because he knows he gets to go somewhere. And sometimes we just tuck the leash into the top of his backpack and he stays right with us. And if he's being squirrely, then we hold on to the leash. Mm -hmm. Or if it's like a dangerous part of the. Yeah. Yeah. Like this part of the trail or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it has been wonderful. Our biggest struggle right now is he is a magnet to water and and don't get me wrong. Playing in water is fun, but maybe not, you know, there's, there's certain times it's just not the best time. And other times it can be extremely dangerous when he doesn't realize how deep it is. And so that, that right now is just always my number one concern. Yeah. Mine tries to steal motorcycles. So (laughs) (laughs) like if he's a dirt bike or a tractor or a, anything, a car, anything he thinks he can start, he's there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. That it's too so funny bad. Like, he was trying to jumpstart our tractor the other day. <laughs> like he had like the you're jumper like, cables out there. You're like, w- w- where are you going? <laughs> I'm sure he had a plan. I have no clue. <laughs> oh like he'll be goodness. sitting there doing something else completely and he'll jump up and go, oh, and he's gone. And like, if he does that, he thought of something naughty, like you've got to find him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have alarms on our doors because he gets up and leaves in the middle of the night. My goodness. He's we an adventurer. Yeah. We caught him trying to fish down at the pond at three in the morning. Oh my um, goodness. We found him on the trampoline at six in the morning. One morning we wake up and he's out on the trampoline and we're like, and he was like cold to the touch. Like he'd been out there for a while. Oh, of course. Oh, you can't tell yeah. me these things because I swear, you know, I have, I have two older girls and mm-hmm. then our son and, you know, there's a, a sizable gap there. My oldest being 12, my youngest being 21 months. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just so used to girls. And then baby boy was here. And up until he was like 18 months old, I thought this is wonderful. It was, he was just a baby. And then yeah. at 18 months, something he was just like nope I'm a boy and there was just this whole side of parenting that I've never experienced it was this high energy and this adventure and um, it's just different it's different than girls yeah right my well and you know even my six-year-old he definitely is all boy but he wasn't nearly what my three-year-old is like my six-year-old he was just I kind of joke like he was just born good like I don't even take credit for this kid sure. but <laughs> My three-year-old, like from day one, like seven weeks pregnant, I had blood clots in my lungs. Like this kid has been hard the whole time. Oh my goodness. (laughs) 
I mean, it takes, it takes all of us to like keep this kid alive all day long. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, we, things, you know, the, things to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. The alarms on the doors have really been helpful. Yes. We have, and that. I have a we different, have okay. I got the ones that have different alarm sounds so that if oh, he goes out the back idea. door versus the front door, I know which direction to head because if to he run, makes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if he makes it out that door faster than me, he's gone. And so, yeah, if I know which direction to head, it's always better. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, the different sound was a good call. He still goes out the doggy door, but we're working on it. That's cute. I was doing, I had a meeting the other day and it was me and my assistant in here and the younger kids were out there and my husband and the older kids weren't home, but we had the door open. The kids were watching a TV show. We're like, okay, we can do a meeting for a few minutes. Oh no. He comes walking in the house with an apple. We're like, where did you get an apple? <laughs> I mean, we had all the doors locked. I mean, there was, he had gone out the doggy door, walked across our property to the orchard, picked an apple, like climbed the apple tree and picked an apple and came back with it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We're like, well, enjoy your apple. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else to say at that point, but just enjoy. That's hard work. That was, that was a lot. Like, to get that you apple. earned that apple and right. I'm having a heart attack right now. So. Right. Does he um does he ever eat like the smaller crab apples? Yeah. Okay, something so funny cuz I find them so sour and so bitter, but I swear mm-hmm. our son prefers those to to like a big red and delicious apple. <laughs> so anyways, that's our You know, I do too though. The big red ones, they're like powdery. Oh, Whereas dear. the small ones, they're like crunchy and crisp. Like I like that. Maybe I, I just haven't been acquired yet to the taste. They're too tart. It's something about the yeah. tartness, but he loves them. As a kid, um, we had a like an old orchard on our property. Oh, pretty. And my dad, were, were, we were pig hunters. Like the, my dad was a pig hunting guide, like the feral pig population. Like, And oh they God. loved our orchard. And so we'd sit down there and wait for him to come in in the mornings. But I remember as a kid, my dad would hand me apples and peaches like right off the tree to sit there and munch on while we waited for the pigs to come in oh my goodness that's so fun (laughs) so now we have them on our property and it's really nice like we have old or like we have our orchard but then we have apple trees and elderberry and everything all over the property that is growing from the previous generations that have lived around here oh that's amazing yeah that's just amazing I love that and I love all the history there too we live right on the port going into Canada. Okay. And so, and the railroad used to come right there. So that was like the main entry and exit, like from Canada to Idaho. And the river actually used to come up higher before they dammed it. So you can get arrowheads on our property. We found all the parts to an old um, wagon on our property. The kids found it with a metal detector. Oh my goodness. That is so neat. Yeah. So they called their buddies over and they were able to dig up all the parts still laying like an old, like covered wagon style wagon, like all buried right in the area where it was. And there's like burn marks. So we think they burned it. And then the metal just got covered up with, you know, six inches of dirt over the years. Oh my goodness. I love that. I love that so so much. One day I'm going to do something with all the metal. I have it in like a container in my garage. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so special. I love the history there. You know, just knowing where you're living is so special and that's really incredible. And, 
you know, I, again, it goes back to what we're able to do with our homeschooled kids. Oh, a hundred percent. They actually, the day they found it, it was a school day. They had friends stay the night that were homeschool kids and they were out with a metal detector in the pasture, <laughs> just being boys, you know? Yes. We Absolutely. also, the same day they took turns riding our boar. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I love that though. I love the flexibility that's there and just leaning into the everyday that, you know, you wouldn't otherwise have even just the time that we get to spend together in making these discoveries. It's just such a blessing. Yeah. So you have a lot of information about like choosing curriculum and making mm-hmm. different things work for your family. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your process and what you have on some of those things. Sure. I just, I felt like so many um, parents getting into homeschooling and, and veteran homeschoolers put so much weight on curriculum, on what curriculum they're choosing and looking for. I've got to find that perfect curriculum. We're all afraid we're going to do it wrong. Right. No, it absolutely is. I mean, mm-hmm. and, the, and the blessing of homeschooling is all this freedom. And then the hardest parts can be the freedom when it comes to feeling alone and feeling the pressure of I'm going to fail my kids and Mm -hmm. you're not if you have your heart to homeschooling and if you are actively thinking about your child's happiness and success in learning you're not going to fail them and these curriculums they're a skeleton they're a skeleton of topics that we can teach but there's not a perfect curriculum. And gosh, I've yeah. been through hundreds, hundreds from, uh, from districts and schools and homeschool curriculums as well. And um, everyone, what do you love? I don't love any of them. There are several that would work really well for any family. Mm-hmm. I would even argue that most would work really well for any family. So long as you take that approach to this is the skeleton of topics Mm -hmm. and I'm now going to deliver this to my kids and remove the perfectionist. Oh, how they learn um, the pace they learn. And it's, it's just about remembering that, you can customize this curriculum. You don't have to complete it all and it's not going to be perfect. So eliminating kind of as a curriculum writer myself, I get a lot of calls. Am I allowed to do it this way? Oh no, do whatever you want. Right? (laughs) No, absolutely. Um, That perfectionist and completionist cycle, you know, when we get in our head that I have this curriculum in my hands. And so this is what my kids need to complete. And if they complete it, then I've done my job. We're looking at it the wrong way. I don't know that we have ever completed a curriculum in seven years. I don't, yeah, there's not a single curriculum done. I I was in public school. I don't know that I ever finished a math book or. Oh, no, no, mm -mm, no, no. And, um, the next question that I always get is if we're not basing, are we done with our curriculum based on it being fully done and completed, then how will I know I'm, I'm done teaching a topic. And I just say, look for progress. 
You know, Mm -hmm. as a mom of a toddler, there are so many milestones you can look for and averages. And I just, I just put those out of my head because instead I just want to see where he is at 15 months. And if at 18 months I see growth from where he was at 15 months, that's progress. And that's the same in homeschooling. So look at math where you start in August and where you come to in just give yourself a deadline of end of October or the winter if you see progress there, there's growth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that there's much more to that in the learning processes, but I think that taking a gentler approach on ourselves as homeschool moms, we're actually putting out a gentler approach to our kids and just kind of remembering why we chose to homeschool Mm -hmm. because it wasn't to find a prepackaged curriculum to tell us what to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even like this year, my teens, they're the first year of high school. I said, okay, when all the curriculum comes in the mail next week, we don't usually start till the middle of September. You guys are going to sit down and this year, you're going to plan out your own schedule and your planners. I love that. And we aren't going to do as, you know, with my busy work schedule, we're not going to do as much. We're going to sit down from nine to 11, three days a week or something. You're going to have all week to get your work done. Um, you know what you need to do. Oh, did I lose mm-hmm. you? Okay. Yeah. Um, like, you know what you need to do. So go ahead and get it done. And we'll, I'll take time every day to touch base with you and help you with any problems that you're having. And if, absolutely, if we don't get through everything or if we have to push things out or whatever, that's okay. Because the biggest lesson they're going to learn is their time management and organization. Oh, 100%. And even with my late elementary, early middle, um, girl in the house, I take this or schedule or plan and it's always just this is what our week is going to look like. And this is what we hope to accomplish by Friday. And so they're very much already creating that, you know, autonomy in their learning. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the biggest key with homeschool kids is the autonomy they get. Absolutely. So as we're getting close to the end of our time, my favorite question is what does keep growing mean to you? Oh gosh, keep growing. I would say it just means to continue to learn and, you know, growing as, you know, a mom right now is having the most meaning for me. Um, And just as, you know, a woman and how I'm able to support um, my husband and my own um, well-being, um, that growth mindset is something that we definitely want to see in our children. And as, um, as mom, I never want to lose that either. I love that. I I love how you focus on the needs of you and your spouse. I think that gets missed so often. So I thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle's at homebuiltteducation. And I also have a website and blog available with tons of free homeschooling guides, um, homebuilteducation.com. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and please go check her out because she is here to help so many homeschool families and that's what we want and need right now. Oh, thank you so much, Cody. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.